Well, first things first, Gary, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm not flying around Europe doing interviews. I'm doing them all from my house, which is really nice. <laughs> from the convenience of your own home. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, before we talk about uh, your new album, I'd like to jump back a little bit to when you first started writing songs. Now, do you remember what, what attracted you to not just being a, in a band, but to, to writing songs, to get thoughts onto paper? Yeah, um, I do. I got, a, I got a guitar bought for me for Christmas by my parents when I was 11. And they, this, so this is 1971. And they bought me a, a Burt Whedon play in a day book. And Burt Whedon was like a guitarist at the time. And he had this very famous book. And actually, I've, I've spoken to a lot of guitarists, famous ones who, who learned that way. And, um, and I remember learning four chords. So I wasn't a three chord learner. I was a four chord learner. And, and it was for another song. It was for If I Had a Hammer or something. I, I think it was for If I Had a Hammer. And, and I immediately remember just sort of like suddenly being able to sing the song and then thinking, well, I really like the chords, but I really don't like the song. And the song has nothing to do with me. So I wrote an, a different tune and I wrote some words and then I immediately realized, wow, I own something. I own something that didn't exist a while ago now exists and it's part of me and it's an expression of me. And I, I quickly wrote another song and I called it Alone and it was in a minor key, of course. And, uh, and, I, and I played it to my mom and she said, you can't play that to anyone. They'll think you're depressed. Um, but uh, I think it was this idea of ownership of music, of making it belong to me. Um, I felt like I was making little pieces of armor that I, when I walked out of my bedroom, I was stronger. I was bigger. Um, I was sort of turning into someone else through my songs. In that sense, when did the idea of sharing those songs with, with kind of the outside world start yeah. playing a role? I think I got encouraged at school. So I, I, I remember playing those two songs to my uh, school uh, for prize giving. And uh, I think I'd probably already done it anyway. Um, and it was quite a key moment in my life because there was a great guy who was giving the prizes out, a man called Bishop Trevor Huddleston, who was the head of the anti-apartheid movement. Mm -hmm. And he came to my house a few days later, well, flat that we lived in, unannounced, we had no telephone, uh, wearing a purple robe and carrying a Philips cassette recorder. And he said, look, every time you write a song, I want you to, 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 to record it and send it to me. And um, Top of the Pops was on at that moment. And on it was Rod Stewart singing Maggie May. And I went, that's what I do. That's what I do. Um, he was incredible. He said, I had just given this trumpet to a, 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 a young black kid in South Africa who's a trumpet player. And um, anyway, years later, I, I, he, he got in touch with me again for the first time. And he said, would I do an anti-apartheid concert? 100,000 people. And I got up and I sang through the barricades. And when I got there, he said, um, this is a great moment for me because no, not only are you here, but the, this guy I gave a trumpet to in Africa is here and it's Hugh Masakela. Mm. So, you know, who's a huge name or was, he's passed away now. So that guy was very significant in my life as a songwriter. Did that moment uh, and, and kind of early on in your life, did that give you a lot of confidence as a songwriter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had pretty, I had quite a lot of confidence anyway. Okay. I was, I was uh, I, you know, I was a child actor by chance. I went to a drama club and I was getting lots of parts. 
I was forming bands really early on, but he was a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. A mentor and encouraged me. But, you know, I, I was in bands when I was 14 with guys in their late 20s, early 30s, playing pubs <laughs> and uh, playing my songs as well that I wrote for, the, for these guys to sing. So, um, yeah, I was quite precocious as a, as a kid uh, as far as making music. I always wrote. That was my thing. I was never interested in copying other people's guitar licks. You know, you get these guys on the internet and all yeah. they do is they learn how to play David Gilmore backwards. You know, never interested me. You know, I wouldn't even... A bit of Mick Ronson, maybe. All I was really interested in was, was writing songs and lyrics. Once Spandau Ballet was formed and then the song started being received really well. Um, what did that do for you? Was that another kind of uh, milestone in a sense of, of confidence and kind of, hey, I can actually do this? Well, you know, I, um, I think at the beginning of Spandau, it was uh, the songs were, we, we, we quickly, I quickly flipped as a songwriter and I took a lot of influence from what was going on with Electronica at the time with Kraftwerk, et cetera. And, you know, we made sort of garage electronic music a bit like, um, you know, like on To Cut A Long Story Short, you know, um, we were, you know, a cult band at that time. Um, and I was always sort of chasing what was happening in Soho in London, you know, oh, oh let's drop electronic and now I'm going to go funky with chart number one, you know. Um, so, but, and then there came a moment when I had to write, I wanted to write songs. I didn't want to write beats anymore and, and, and riffs. And I wanted, I really wanted to write something that was more classic in a way. And, uh, and that was when I started doing the true album. I was 22. I'm still living at home, my parents. And, and I, and I started writing that confidence wise. What it does is. Yeah. When you start to have really big hits, then you start to worry. That's mm -hmm. when you start to worry because then you think, how do I follow this up? And it's not about me following up for myself. It's how do I follow it up and keep, my bandmates in the lifestyle that they would like, you know, and keep this band happening. And that's a, that, that is quite, that is probably uh, the most pressure you can have. Yeah. Well, one of my questions uh, that I had was what, what is the most difficult thing of being in a, in a band? Is it that, is it kind of keeping that, that upwards trajectory going in a sense? I think the most difficult thing about being in a band is is being limited to the voicings that are in that band. Being, you know, on stage is easy. In a studio is less easy, but doable. When I think the best time is when everyone agrees on what they do and the chemistry is perfect and there's no one going, I really want to be doing what he's doing. So everyone's happy in their roles. And I think that's when you have the, 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 the equanimity is perfect at that point. And then of course, later on, there always comes a moment when, when people want, you know, people are getting fed up. They're not getting enough attention or whatever it might be. Mm. I think the hardest bit is being in a band is just, is this, they're the only people you're with all the time. You know, there's, and when you're touring, there's no going home. Um, you know, if someone said to you, you know, on your first day at work, you know, you walk into an office and there's four other guys in the office and they say, hey, these are your workmates. Oh, and by the way, you will have to work with them for the rest of your lives. Right. It, it, it's kind of weird. It's sure, mad. Sure. So I think after 10 years, that starts to definitely the cracks start to show because of that. And then one last thing about this era of, uh, for you, but uh, writing as a, as a songwriter, having written all those hit songs, 
Um, I always wonder, are they the favorites of the songwriters themselves? Or were you surprised by some that did well or did you, some that didn't do as well as you expected? Yeah, um, they're not always your favorite songs. No, I mean, they're, you know, everyone, um, mm, you know, you're so in the moment when you're when you're making records. It's pop. You know, mm. you're thinking I've done four minutes and it's going to come out and it's going to be a hit. And then next week it won't be. You know, you know, I don't think anyone was thinking about writing classics at mm. the time. And sometimes the songs maybe weren't as as great as the, the one before. I mean, we had a song called Instinction on our second album and we didn't. We started to panic because one of the uh, that was at a point in uh, you know when when one of the singles "Shut Up Like Diamond" hadn't done so well and it was like oh wow this could all crash and burn right now, and I I could hear Instinction was good and then we but but it wasn't produced right so we went in and we re-recorded quite a lot with Trevor Horn came out was a top ten hit "She Love Like Diamond" which was that song that nearly killed us which never even made the top forty it was the moment in our Spandau's career when it all looked like it was going to go wobbly in the early days. I always knew that was a great song and we got to re-record it for the, uh, for the, um, you know, and there were people going, Oh, it's not, maybe it's just the song's not good. That's why it's not a hit. But I knew it was a good song. We just hadn't, didn't have the maturity to know how to put it down. And then much later when the band got back together again for the, um, uh, for the album uh, once more, we did a sort of more uh, orchestral acoustic version of it. And it was great. I mean, it's, and it, was one of the best parts of the show when we came back. So sometimes it's not always about the song. Sometimes mm. it's just you haven't really produced it, arranged it and recorded it right. You, you mentioned something inter interesting, uh, which is perhaps you weren't ready to write that song or, or produce the song the way it, it, it should be. Um, in that sense, do you think that as a songwriter, you've been in music for 40 plus years. Do you think that as a songwriter, you're now at the best that you ever were? Yes, I do. I do. I, I think, you know, I sort of know what I want and, and I know how to achieve that. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm really into sonic landscapes and, the, and audio quality. You know, I, I try to make indie sounding records and I, 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 I can never do that. I'm always like, I just want it to sound a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think I know how to enhance a song. So, uh, the problem is nowadays the options are so great when you're recording, you know, when you're on your computer, um, you know, you can have any instrument in the world and all kinds of keyboards. And so people tend to sort of like over overdub. They do too much. Mm. And, um, and what I wanted to do on this album was to keep as little from the computer demos as possible and, you know, replace all the plastic Wurlitzers and pianos with the real thing and the Hammond real thing and, You know, there's very little on there that's uh, that's fake. Um, and I think that was important. When was the idea for In Solo conceived? Was it was it because of the world slowed down? No, uh, I wrote most of it. Apart from Too Much, I wrote all of it in 2019 when I was on the road with, with Nick uh, Mason. And, um, right. and I think that was a really important part <clears throat> of my... Um, a creative sort of burst out uh, because I'd finally, believe it or not, it took me a long time, but I'd finally severed the, dis the, the past. 
I'd moved away from Spano Valley. I'd moved away from the way people envisaged me to be as a guitar player, as a, as a songwriter, into a world of music that maybe took a lot of people by surprise, but liberated me as a, a you know, I could play more guitar. I could, I start to sing lead in the band. And, and, I, and, and I'm happy in this group. You know, we all go to dinner together. We all get on. There's no difficulty. Um, and, and, but I'm playing other people's songs. And maybe that was also what was going on in my head. I also turned 60. And, and that was, that's, that's a major moment for anyone if you get there. And uh, it's better than not getting there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I found myself writing a lot of lyrics on this, uh, uh, on this tour, knowing that I was going to put tunes to them when I got back. Sometimes I wrote tunes while I was on tour as well. But, but it was mostly writing lyrics that were about me and the questions that I had in my head and where I was in my life and how I felt about that and asking how other people feel about it. And, um, and, and it felt like an album concept was growing that was much more autobiographical. This wasn't, these weren't songs that I was putting away for Spano Valley. If we ever get back together again, these, these were songs that needed to be sung by me because they were about me and, and I could feel, you know, I needed that connection and, and truth you know, the, only I could give to the to the, to the words because because it, you know it was coming from my heart. Right, and what I find very interesting because you wrote a little bit about um, memory and how kind of our past in, informs the future. Um, and with what you just mentioned, this, I have this feeling of um, perhaps a sense of identity. I can imagine when you're in a really successful band as as you have been. Um, that that becomes your identity and like you said it's very difficult then to separate yourself from that what what allowed you to do that what made that was it just time no i think it was it was it was definitely playing the early pink floyd stuff okay. and getting up and then but, but you know obviously we weren't copying anyone when we were doing that because nick mason said you know let's make these songs our own you know the guitar solos aren't purple play guitar whatever you know let's let's do stuff that isn't on the record and add stuff and i think I, that that was that was the liberation it was really me as well you know i was sort of feel you know i still look after the catalog you know mm. i i i i've never sold my publishing you know so we we you know the, the, my office in london runs that and so my head is always within the old material and there's always this this possibility or there was this sense of possibility that we might get back together and should I be still, you know, when I was still writing songs, thinking about Tony singing them. Mm. So suddenly that wasn't happening. Suddenly there was a real flow and I felt unblocked as a writer. I felt like I could write the truth for the first time. I, you know, I realized that you get to a certain age of experience so much um, in your life, so many ups and downs that, you know, there's no need to make anything up anymore. You know, you mm. can, you know, even if the song is, is a story that looks like it's about someone else. There's lots of my reality in that. What for you then was the most difficult song you had to write or you wrote that ended up on the album? Well, I think difficult is, is interesting. <clears throat> in terms of getting it right. Well, let me just, this, this, uh, just well, let me just answer in the way I thought that you meant is mm. because I am the past is quite a difficult song in that I wrote it very quickly. I was in I was in St. Louis. It still says St. Louis. It says St. Louis under the lyrics where I am. Because, because I am the past trying to be here is a line that can sound 
I don't want to say depressing. It, it's openly honest about how I felt at that time. You know, I'm not as strong as I was. I'm not as fast as I was, as quick as I was. That's impossible. You know, you, you get to my age, you must, you know, I've, I've hit the peak a while ago, right? Of, of, of strength. And so I've put it in a setting, which was kind of like my mind. It was like an old Western sharpshooter, you know, who's with a woman and he's trying to say, am I still, why am I important to you? You never see me at my best. And, um, and I think that was a difficult song because it was really exposing my feelings. I remember you was the same. It was exposing my, my concerns about aging, if you like. So, um, but I suppose the song that I tampered with the most more than any other. And, and, and I, cause I knew there was, there was something quite dramatic in there, but I was, I think I was being ambitious with it was in solo itself, the okay. opening track on the album. What, what made that such a, a such an ambitious track? No, because it, you know, it, I wanted to really orchestrate it and extend it, have more different parts coming in and there. It wasn't a straight up verse chorus, you know, middle eight sort of, you know, there were different sections within the song that I was developing as I went along. I had the initial song, uh, which is really about this woman and a man separately going to work and then them coming together at the end and you realizing they're a partnership. And, um, and I knew that it, I wondered it, it's about living in a very busy city and the irony of, of the paradox of feeling isolated. So I needed it to be a quite a big lush kind of, orchestrated piece because that was the city that was they were the buildings you know it, and it couldn't be just acoustic guitar that seemed always seems to me like you're out in a field mm. so um but then i wanted to take it in different directions at different times and i think working with the floyd material was has helped me not feel self-conscious about doing that you know so i can musically extend things and have different instrumentation and seeing it sim cinematically so that whole middle section with the guitar solo and the and the sort of Greek chorus vocal that's in the set center of that song, that was added later. So I'd already started the recording and that didn't exist. And then and then I I sort of realized that I wanted to go somewhere else, and I and I put that in. So that going it was slightly difficult. I was always tampering with that song. That was one of the first songs I started recording and one of the last I finished recording. Right. And that sentiment of, because uh, I remember Stephen Fry writing a similar thing of, of feeling alone in a full room and, and those kinds of things, yeah. uh, th that sentiment. Um, did that coincide with that idea of aging or were there, uh, they very separate things? No, I think they were, they were separate things really. And, but, 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 um, and, but I did end up making an, a sort of a slight connection. I bookended the album outside of the, the, the final kind of epilogue at uh, the end with our light because i i was so fascinated by these characters that i'd been writing about and and i think one of the influences was definitely edward hopper and his paintings um that i wanted to just i i, I felt that i needed to see what happened to them and i wrote a song called the haunted which is about them it's about the house they once lived in it's an experience i've had you know i've been through divorce But I, I, I then also introduced, you know, took some of the musical themes and put those at the introduction of that song, The Haunted, and they bookend the album. So I think there was definitely, oh, there's stuff happening that, that draws lines between different songs on this record, you know, um, 
this was not a bunch of songs that had been written over the last God knows how many years and put away for Spandau or not. And then me just sort of like sticking them all together. I really felt there was a themat thematic kind of feeling. And and also, you know, then the the, the lockdown happens and in solo takes on a whole other resonance. <laughs> right, definitely. And then, like you said, that there are a lot of connections between the songs, I, I would say. So um, was it a, was it difficult then for you to to compile this album? To, to get the order right. Yeah, no, yeah, um, yes, I suppose it was, um, you know, really important for me to sequence. I only sequence mm -hmm. with vinyl in mind. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine another world other than all albums are, should be two acts. I, 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 you know, I know that CDs have been going since the early 80s and we were, we made CDs, but we, Spanow in the 80s always sequence for vinyl so you know what's the last track on side one what's the beginning of side two um penultimate tracks all of that and and so i played around a lot within solo that was you know i was that going to end the album but then i thought you know what i put it at the beginning and it lays my cards on the table this isn't what you expect from me as a you know it's not what you've heard me do for spandau ballets it's completely different mm -hmm. this is drama and 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 then it then it you know i built the album by by realizing that in solo and the haunted were at the opposite ends of the record and the our light i wanted to end on a positive note i i, I which is you know the only the real love song i wrote about my my wife and i and our journey together and that went last mm. and now kind of to round off then because uh, this is your second solo album like you said, you had to kind of separate yourself uh, for, from Spandau just to, to get that uh, writing going again. And so, yeah. so where are you? Where's your mind space now? Because obviously everybody will ask you, OK, where is, is Spandau ever going to be together again and all that kind of stuff? But for you as a songwriter, where are you now? But I'm, I'm so happy writing for myself and I don't really feel the urge to write for someone else at the moment. I... Um, I've got to, I would love to take this out live. I can't, I've got um, commitments to Nick, you know, and we're, we're touring for the first six months of next year is my, my commitment there. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, and, but I'm already halfway through the next record. Mm. I've, you know, I've got a half a dozen tracks that I'm really happy with that I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm just in that writing process still, which has not stopped for me since, since this record. Um, and I think that's, um, so that's where I'm going to go. You know, I think, you know, whether or not record companies want it, I don't know. I'm going to keep making music for myself. But yeah, that, that was going to be my question. So we won't have to wait another 25 years for another uh, solo album. No. I don't know why I was so uh, r reticent. Uh, I got slightly burned on the first one, which I'm still really proud of. I guess it came out in 95 when Britpop was happening. And I don't think it, it, it really hit a nerve. Um, and then, you know, life gets taken up with other things. Well, one last question then. Is, is it more nerve-wracking uh, releasing an album just under your own name rather than as a band or, or as a group? I think it probably is, yeah, because you can always take the, the blows. Uh, in, you know, it's spread out more amongst five people. You know, I still feel conscious when I was writing for Spanow of, of uh, you know, this is my song, guys. But by the time we'd made it, everyone had agreed on that. I think it, it is more, you know, you, you don't want to, you're the only one who's going to fail, put it that way. And that can be hard.
Well, hopefully you won't fail this time then. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get to hear another album from you very soon. Thanks, Robin. All the best. All right, Gary. Have a good one. Bye.